<clears throat> so good evening. Thank you for joining or for listening whenever you are going to listen. Anybody that would like to sponsor this class, <coughs> please let me know. Um, it's available for sponsorship. It's a great merit to sponsor and dedicate Torah, especially esoteric and deeper teachings and fundamental teachings um, that I hope to share tonight that are so forward-thinking and exciting. Um, this week is going to be the great... So last week, by the way, those many of you were missing my class. I did give a class exactly a week ago. I was away Monday nights. I gave it on Tuesday. This week I'm also doing it on Tuesday for whatever reason. But um, <coughs> unbeknown to me, I forgot to hit or I didn't realize that I to hit the record and it didn't. I wasn't recording. So I spoke an hour and a half to empty four walls without anybody listening to me. I guess uh, maybe I released some ideas into the <laughs> into the cosmos but other than that it was a little frustrating and I didn't get a chance to redo so I'd like to take some of the ideas that I shared last week to the no to the nobody crowd and blend it in to uh, some new ideas from this week obviously my passion now is Mashiach and everything that I'm looking at and we should all be looking at is seeing it through the lens of Mashiach and the unfolding redemption so let me just give a little, um, a little, uh, what should we call it? Um, a little outline. Even though you know, I I I confess that I did not do enough um, active preparation for this class to organize the ideas in my head in a very organized manner that it should that I should have done, and I didn't do it but I'd rather give the class than not give the class. So it's a little, you know, lots of, lots of different things coming from all different angles. I hope it will come together. But I, the, the concepts and the ideas has been simmering in my head for a while, and they're based on some extreme, very powerful, life-transforming teachings of Hasidus, and particularly of the Dvar Malchus, of the teachings of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, primarily in the year 1991-1992, when he prepared the world for the final redemption. Um, so let me just lay some, this is what I'm trying to do, markers of where I, what I'd like to cover in today's class, and hopefully we can... Um, so first of all, one of the things that has been bothering me and bothering so many of my listeners and, is that if those who have been following this class for years know that we've been talking so much about the advance of the world towards the redemption, primarily in the political sphere of things, how things have taken a turn in, in supporting so many messianic prophecies and ideas of how things are going to be when Mashiach comes. Peace with Israel, a recognition of the Jewish people's rights to the homeland of, of the land of Israel, the taking the two-state solution off the table, recognizing the historical connection of the Jews to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. These are all core essential things. Safety of the Jews of Israel, which is obviously related to the denuclearization of Iran, not, God forbid, the allowance of, allow, of Iran to break, break out, to break out nuclear. Um, the defunding and the complete um, 
destruction of terrorist organizations that till now have camouflaged and managed to um, manage to um, deceive the world in making believe that they're a righteous cause. It's gone on for years. And the funding that has been funding billions of dollars to these various different organizations. And this has been, you know, and that has been the narrative going on for so many, so many years. A Middle East that was had all of its weapons, ammunition, and arrows pointed to Israel, to the destruction of Israel. Unified. Unified in one thing and its hatred to the Jewish the Jewish people's presence in, in the land of Israel. And also a general anti-God, anti-godly conscience, um, um, what's it called again, um, sentiment that was prevalent and was growing very strongly, at least in terms of policymakers here in the United States. And that's not messianic, but that was reversed. What I'm talking about was the reversal of that in the last couple of years. Um, without hiding behind the bush, when Trump became president, so much in the world turned in many ways in supporting a messianic, a Mashiach world. Um, and then, to my utter dismay and the utter dismay of so many of the listeners over here, there seems to have been some kind of a shocking reversal. And it... it, it I have to admit, to a certain degree, depressed me. I, I wasn't expecting it, and I'm not a prophet, but I was very taken by surprise. And I'm not getting into the question of the legitimacy of it. I'll leave that to the bigger experts. And um, I don't know. I think no one knows. <laughs> I think no one knows uh, what went on on December 3rd, and if whatever is whoever is running the government now is a legit president. Uh, from the amount of effort to hush and to throw it under the carpet, let's just say it's very suspicious. Um, and uh, but but this is the reality, and the reality is that at least from what we can see, is that there are so many things that seem to be being run by people that are not necessarily God conscious people that are interesting in interested in moving the world into more of, for example, the great events of the huge breakthroughs of the Abraham Accords that was like historic with the Emirates and Bahrain. And there were six countries that signed peace treaties with Israel, recognition of Israel. Huge, affecting hundreds of millions of Muslims. That's, that's incredible. It all happened in these years, these miraculous years. And suddenly, it's almost as if, you know, this whole policy is now, seems to be, not at, at least not on the front burner. It's like going back to Israeli en enemies, going back to the Iranians, and trying to resurrect a, a, a already dead um, uh, nuclear treaty, which, 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 which is ridiculous, and it's insane, and it's painful, and it's hurtful. So people were wondering, like, Ooh, ha, 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 what do you make out of this? And um, so now I would like to address a little bit some of it, and I might be a little shocking of how I see it, um, what, what's its significance in the messianic um, world unfolding. And I, again, things shifted in my mind in, this, the short, in, in just in the last two, three weeks, and I haven't really fully fully developed it, but at least, you know, to some degree I'd like to share some thoughts on that. 
And I'd like to speak about um, the unique time that we're in right now. Obviously the year that we discussed so many times, but uniquely the period that we're in right now, that these, um, I would say it's probably about uh, five weeks, four and a half to five weeks, which is a 33 year, a 33 day period of from Pesach to Lag Bomer. Lag Bomer is gonna be this, this week Friday already. So we conclude this 33. 33 days, a very pivotal time period and very messianic. And it's very strongly connected to this year because this year is the year 3,333 years from when the Jewish people left Egypt. In addition to that, the uniqueness of this year is that this year is the year of 5781. And we discussed those numbers great times. The significance of 80 as a messianic number, as the transcendental number, the significance of number 8, completion of 8 when it's 10, so it's 80, the power of the letter pay. We discussed all of this. But here the significance is in the, in the year 5781. What is, what, what is the one? And why is that? How does that play a role? And why is this year such a significant year? And again, in the light of that, it really begs the question, how can it be that this year seems to have been suddenly a turnaround and a backtracking of the redemption. So it's a good question. And I'm trying to like, erenu we will see wonders. Now the Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, did seem to talk about this year as a year that has the potential, not just the potential, but we have the, the kind of the, the blessing that it's a year that will flip. So we're still waiting for the flip. It's been a tough year with the corona, with the whole situation involving it, and um, you know, people are worried about the vaccines and so on and so forth. Um, we're living in a world of much in misinformation. On the whole, there's a, there's a great, there's a certain tension and obviously not the wonderful, happy world that we're seemingly waiting for when we're expecting Mashiach's arrival or Mashiach to fully be here. So again, we want to talk about number 33 and this, the significance of this in this particular, these 33 days in the setting of the year 3333, how this together with Pei Aleph 81, why the one is so significant, um, and the, what does this mean regarding what's happening this year? And as we'll soon see, perhaps it's not a reversal. It's actually a, 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 a much deeper Moshiach, uh, Moshiach evolvement, Moshiach, um, uh, Moshiach process from a much deeper place, which shouldn't, God forbid, depress us, but the opposite, energize us. And I would like to connect all of this to something that's really giving me a lot of energy and really exciting me is that what's going on, particularly as we're speaking now, of a project that was just launched today. And it's associated with events 30 years ago, which is, which is the premise and the foundation of this class. Uh, 30 years ago, the Lubavitcher Rebbe um, gave a talk in the end of the month of Nisan, 5751, that was 1991, the very a day before the conclusion of the month of Nisan, the 28th day, month, day of the month of Nisan, 
and it was an earth-shattering talk. It was probably, from all the talks the Rebbe gave, if there was one talk that literally like shook Chabad at the core, and whoever was paying attention in the Jewish world, and in the world in general maybe, was this talk. At this point, the Rebbe basically said that he did whatever he can to bring Mashiach, and now he is giving it over to every single one of us. He's charging us with that mission to bring the Giyula, to bring Mashiach. And obviously, you know, it was very shocking to hear it. The Rebbe even expressed himself in such intense words, like everything I have done has been for not, or not not, but he used the word for, for, for vanity and for emptiness. In other words, like what did we accomplish? If we didn't accomplish the redemption, what did we accomplish? And that was very hard to hear, very difficult to hear. A human being who has built like no other builder, a person who has advanced goodness and kindness and holiness and goodness and Jewish awareness and mitzvah observance after the ashes of the Holocaust and literally resurrected the Jewish people, lifted them up and spread Judaism and created institutions across the whole world, should express himself that everything with an amazing army of devoted, devoted <laughs> followers that would do anything to just fulfill what the Rebbe is asking of them, and yet the Rebbe has them all gathered together and said, whatever we've done in, in seemingly the most ex deepest frustration that if Mashiach is not here today, then everything we've done is empty and in vain. It was very painful. And obviously it shook all of, all of Chabad to the core. And after that talk, um, the Rebbe, however, did not resign, <laughs> lock himself in the room, like happened to Tzadikim. The Kotzke Rebbe locked himself up for many, room, for many years. Others, the Rebbe did not resign. And you didn't even see, God forbid, any depression, God forbid, in the Rebbe. The Rebbe came back after that talk like a lion. And for another year, he revealed the most the most transformational talks about Mashiach, about the Giyula, but all focusing on what is our work, that every single Jew needs to know ideas, thoughts, and direction, and inspiration um, to charge us in our mission what we need to do in order to bring the Giyula, in order to bring Mashiach. So the Rebbe was giving us, and then after that there came a stroke, and then two years later, on the very same anniversary of the same day, a stroke, another stroke, more, far more intense than the first one. A couple of months later was Gimel Tammuz, which um, was the day that, to our physical eyes, the Rebbe seems to have been taken away from us. So, it's very, very, very obviously intense period. These events happened 30 years ago, um, on the 28th of Nisan, which is again the after the end of like a week and after Pesach, after Passover, and over this period of Sphira. So in these 33 days, see that's when all this took place, that earth-shattering shakeup, and then the Rebbe telling us what our work is now. The Rebbe continued for almost a whole year. In the summer, he revealed this magnificent talk about prophecy being present in the world and, and all kinds of just extraordinary talks, one after another, just besides the brilliance, it's such revelation, such deep Hasidic insight. It's like from the deepest, uh, uh, fundamental, you know, 
mind, mind-altering um, concepts and idea in Judaism. It's phenomenal. Um, but what I would like to share with you is during these three weeks period, during the five-week overall four-week performance, when the Rebbe gave the Chav Ches Nisan Sichan Tulag Baomer, is a shorter period, uh, I guess it's about, yeah, it's about four weeks. So there were three talks during these f- four weeks that I think are a game changer and really transformed the entire concept of Moshiach. And again, what I'm going to try to develop today in this class is that the way I see it, again, this is my own take on it, and you can study it yourself and and I guess based on your understanding of the Geula and Mashiach and so on and so forth, you can come to your own conclusions. I'm not uh, imposing these thoughts on anybody. Just my idea, though I'm sharing it because I'm inspired by it, and I think it's the truth, is that the Rebbe birthed during, a, there was a birth of Mashiach in the world during those three weeks. It's consistent with the Kabbalistic idea that we're learning about Thursday night and Thursday night, I'm talking, we're giving a class called The Birth of Mashiach. It's deep esoteric stuff based on, Zo- on the Zohar. And a, it's a long discourse by Rabshneer Zalman of Liadi in a books that no one really learns. Very few people learn because there's so much from Rabshneer Zalman of Liadi in the more common books, the Balatanya. In his more common books, so... These are really, you know, books that gather dust on the, on, the, on, the, on the shelves, besides few people that get to learn them. And, what, and this one of the books is called Biure HaZoyar, Explanation of the Zohar, in which he takes passage of the Zohar and he, and, he, and he demystifies them. But obviously, even after you learn it, it's full of, it's full of mystical concepts. It's not easy to learn. Thank God we've been teaching them over here in the last three weeks, one particular one that's heavy duty, and the reason I got excited and got into it is because it's talking about the birth, the birth process of Moshiach, which the Zohar talks about, and the Alter Rebbe, Rebbe Shneur connects it to, these, to this period of 33 days. In other words, because we know 33 days associated with a concept that we read um, two weeks ago in the Torah, Parshas Tazriya Metzorah, which over there it speaks about a woman giving birth. So there is a period of time after the childbirth. So again, when a woman has menstruation, any type of, when she gets a period, she is ritually impure. She's not allowed to have relations with her husband until she purifies within a mikvah. And there's all you know, complicated laws uh, in, in the laws of Jewish family purity. Um, and then she goes to immerse in a mikvah and so on and so forth. But that's generally if she gets an ordinary period. If she has a child, so then automatically, whether she sees blood along with it or not, for one week, if it's a boy, one week she's the impure. If it's a girl, it's a two-week um, state of impurity. And then there is a period of time when her blood is called pure blood. That means no matter how, whatever blood she will see during this time, it's not contaminating. So obviously it's some deep mystical secret because a woman's, everything is mystical, everything has a mystical, Torah is God's mind, it's God's laws, so obviously everything in Torah. But sometimes you can sense more of the mystery behind it. 
So the fact, so by the boy, it's a 33, again, after the week is over, there's one week, and then there's a 33-day period of pure blood. Um, but if you gave birth to a girl, her period of pure blood is 66 days. It's an interesting, interesting idea. So Rabbi Shneir Zalman of Liadi, in the discourse that I've been talking about in his ex- expounding on the Zohar, associates the 33-day period from the, the day, the first day of Pesach, until Lag Ba'omer, which we know is a 33-day day. We all make a big thing to do about it, the 33-day period, even though it's the full counting of the Omer is a 49-day. But there's 33 days, which he associates with the blood that comes after a birth that is a, that is a final purification. So it's the, it's the conclusion of the birthing, so to speak. Um, and he, why, which birth? So we know that Pesach is the birth of the Jewish people. Is the birth of Israel, because we were born as a nation on Passover when God took us out of Egypt. But it's not only we, it's also the Redeemer. The Redeemer of Israel is really the root soul of the Jewish people. So if the Jewish people have their collective birthday on Passover, humanity has its collective birthday on Rosh Hashanah, because that's when Adam was created, the father of all of humanity. The Jewish people as a people, our birthday is on Pesach. Um, Now, being that Moshiach is the, the root core of all Jewish souls. Therefore, Moshiach is also his birth is associated with the first day of Pesach. How? So he makes the connection over there because we know that in Halacha, it's brought down in Jewish law that there is always a correlation between Pesach and Tisha B'Av. Pesach is one of the happiest days of the year. It's... Exodus, every Jew celebrates Passover, such an incredible time. And it's a very joyful time. Uh, the darkest moment in the Jewish calendar, the lowest moment is Tisha B'Av. But we always know the highest and the lowest are connected. What's Tisha B'Av? The ninth day of Av, the day of the destruction of the temple. Both temples. The darkest day in Jewish history. Yet the sages say that the greatest gem and jewel is buried in the darkness. So when Tisha B'Av, which is really the commemoration of all sadness and darkness and pain and misery, in it lies a very great mazal tov, a great joy. And that is because Mashiach is born. The moment, because the temple was destroyed, and that very moment, the potential for Mashiach became real. So it's already a a tradition that Mashiach is born on Tisha B'Av. doesn't have to mean his physical birthday, but there's something about the birth of Mashiach on Tisha B'Av. So... These two days, it says in Halacha, are connected. Because the first day of Passover is always the same day of the week as Tisha B'Av will come out. So if this year, Passover, first day of Passover was Saturday night, Matzah Shabbos. So Tisha B'Av, hopefully it's going to be a big holiday this year, is also going to be on Sunday, on beginning Saturday night. There's always a connection. So therefore, because there is this connection, so the birth of Tisha B'Av is related also to the first day of Pesach, which is, again, because these two days, we might call them sister days. So the birthing of Mashiach's Nisham is associated also to the, the first day of Pesach. Then you have a 33-day count, which the 33-day count is associated and ends on Lag Bomer, which is the revelation of the secrets of the Torah, because that's the day that Reb Shimon Bar Yochai passed away. And he is the 
founder or the teacher, the master of the Zohar, which is the greatest work on Jewish mysticism. And even though he revealed secrets all of his life, his greatest flood, so to speak, his greatest um, download and revelation and teaching of, of mysticism came on the last day. I mean, it was incomparably higher what he taught the day of his passing. And therefore he said that this is a day of incredible godly revelation. And therefore you should treat it like a wedding day. There should be joy. Anybody that goes all over Israel knows that the Lag Bomer is like festivities, bonfires across the entire country. It's wild. We're having our own celebration over here on Thursday night, um, low-key this year, just because of the still the some of the restrictions, but we're nothing compared to what we've done before, but at least some great festivities this Thursday night. Everybody's invited. In any case, um, but the birth, one of the things about Mashiach is he's going to reveal secrets of the Torah. We also know that Reb Shimon Bayochai is a spark. His soul is an offshoot and a spark of Moshe Rabbeinu's Nasham. Moses, Moshe, was the first redeemer, is also the root and the and very deeply intertwined with the final redeemer. As the sages say, the first redeemer is the final redeemer, not in the literal sense, because as we mentioned so many times, Moshe is a Levite, is a Levi, and Moshiach has to be a descendant of King David. So it can't just be Moshe coming back, being resurrected. It means the energy of Moshe is deposited in Moshiach's soul, and somehow, uh, and being that Rabbi Shimon Ba Yochai, who is the teacher and the master and the conveyor of the esoteric, deeper, mystical side of the Torah, so he too is the forebearer of Moshiach. So therefore, you, you see the connection, the 33rd day, which is the conclusion of this birthing. So what are we talking about? We're talking about a birthing of Moshiach that happens during the 33 days. So based on that concept, I'd like to suggest that the period of time 30 years ago, which began with the Rebbe's earth-shattering cry, with the Rebbe's pain expressed on the 28th of Nisan, of the most agonizing level, it's like a cosmic cry, the painful um, um, intolerance for the suffering of the world, and how come the Rebbe then cried out in anguish. How come we're, we're tolerating? How come we're accepting a world that still has darkness, a world that is not yet full of light and full of truth? And, and um, so that, to me, was, I would say, a, the final contraction. I don't mean that right after that Mashiach came and we have the Geula, we have the redemption, because if we would have had the redemption, we wouldn't be dealing with COVID. We wouldn't be dealing with pandemics. We wouldn't be dealing with terrorist attacks. We wouldn't be dealing with so much illness and so much suffering and so much pain. That too, if you really analyze the data, you find out that things are improving and getting better in the world on a global scale, even though the media doesn't tell that to us. So much improvement, so much the world is becoming so much more Moshiach Dik, meaning so much more improved, but yet we still don't have the actual redemption. When I'm speaking about a birth, I'm speaking about a, the birthing of Moshiach himself, the power of the Goel, of the Redeemer in the world, his soul in this world. Um, and 
a, re, a birth means a it, it, Mashiach is, is, is a person, but he represents an ideology and a, and, 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 a, and a force. The next three weeks, in these three talks that I'm talking about, that the Rebbe gave on Shabbos, Parshas Tazria Metzorah, on the following Shabbos, Parshas Achrei Mos Kedosh, and then the following Shabbos, Parshas Emor, are clearly a set, and I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, demonstrate that, a set of three talks, it's interesting that it's three, associated with the number three, because pivotal in this whole idea is the number three. A set of talks that are literally mind-altering in terms of appreciating and understanding existence, the reality, and especially the, found, the, the concept of the Jewish Messiah, that concept of Moshiach from the Jewish perspective, in a way that no one in all of history has ever explained with that clarity, with that understanding, that is Moshiach being born in the world. Moshiach, and therefore, the Rebbe is now saying, I've now germinated the idea. I've given you the concept. Now you need to assimilate it, ingest it, make it part of you, and then spread it to the entire world. The Rebbe, in the course of those three weeks, introduced a new idea. And what idea is that? The idea is that everybody, in order to hasten the redemption, we should study about Mashiach. We should become very cognizant, very aware, very enlightened about the Giyul, about Mashiach. We can start from the original sources in Scripture itself, work through the prophets, work through all the teachings in Jewish, um, in, from by the sages, in the Talmud, in the Midrash, including mysticism culminating, the Rebbe specifically said, culminating in the teachings of Hasidus, the Hasidic teachings, all the way down, this is one of the rare times that the Rebbe mentioned studying the Rebbe himself saying, my teachings, the teachings of the Lakuti Sichas, the Sichas of, he says, the leader of the generation. So the Rebbe then pushed very strongly that we should study about Mashiach. Now, I want to mention something. Um, this instruction that the Rebbe gave then, I think, and I think it's anybody that wants to be honest, can kind of conclude, was not taken seriously enough. Had this been taken seriously enough, and all of us would have taken to this exact instruction, to study and to learn, Moshiach would have been here a long time ago. This has kind of been brushed to the side I mean, of course, people studied and people learned and a lot of more information was published and taught and so forth, but not in the way that many of the other instructions that the Lubavitcher Rebbe gave that became completely a powerful compulsion or a, a um, this, this mad drive, but like, for example, the campaign to put on tefillin on Jews. You know, Chabadniks across the entire world are constantly chasing Jews, asking them if they're Jewish and putting on film with them. This particular instruction maybe was adhered to at the beginning, but did not carry through intensely and did not grow and did not get the momentum it should have gotten and the, the, because of the importance of it. This is the way to bring Mashiach. The Rebbe said in those talks, this is the surest way to study and to learn, to understand it, to assimilate it, integrate it, and then as a result of that, you will change, we will all change, we will all enter into a Mashiach consciousness, and when we alter our consciousness, the consciousness of the entire world will follow.
So again, part of why it did not, it, it kind of lost its steam was because Lubavitch went through a intense, Chabad went through an intense crisis shortly after all of this. The messianic drive that the Rebbe was giving was also focused on the idea and the concept that the Rebbe himself is Moshiach. And I discussed this many times, and I don't shy, shy away from the subject. It's not my point in today's class, but the Rebbe was clearly very strongly indicating to that, to that, uh, to that idea. So it was being fueled by the Rebbe himself and driven by him, and, and the Hasidim were then at that point catching on, and, and there was a back and forth, and, and, and people, many, many in Chabad were uncomfortable even during that time because... It was, you know, in terms of public relations, it was a little, you know, people were a little scared. Where is this going? People were a little nervous. Not everybody was accepting uh, such a concept of Chabad. You know, Chabad had so much institutions and so much good and so much things, and people were getting a little bit worried that, you know, if this, this people might cons consider the, you know, the, the, the Chabad movement as lunatics, as some kind of crazy cult. So as the Rebbe was talking, so then itself it was already the beginning of the fissure and the, 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 the discomfort. Coupled with the fact that the Rebbe, the Rebbe led and, and gave these incredible teachings and, led, and, and this fervor about the Rebbe Moshiach himself reached the peak right before the Rebbe suffered this horrific stroke. And then followed by another stroke two years later, first a period of time where the Rebbe was not able to, he was... Um, um, speak and, and communicate to us in the same way or anywhere close to what was go happening before even though between the first and second stroke he was very alert and involved and answering and would come out constantly from on a, on a porch and so forth and encouraged very much the messianic fervor that was going on so it continued for two years uh, but then when it led afterwards, it came to the Gimel Tammuz, um, and what, as I mentioned before, the, 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 um, a very dark day in 1994, um, that kind of created a big, 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 you know, <laughs> confusion and, and I would say kind of a, a factions within the Chabad movement itself. There are those who, what you call it when you when you stake your your uh, <laughs> when you when you when you claim well, I don't forgot what it's called. I'm not the word is not it's, it's a, when you when you stick your 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 peg in your stake your claim or something like that. Who pitched their their tent so to speak at this very very peak? Everything they saw at that point where the Rebbe left us at the very peak of fervor and excitement of Mashiach, not only Mashiach coming, but that we have Mashiach with us already, and decided that this is the way to go, and to teach and to be very vocal about it and very open, and, 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 and this is where the world has to hear. And then there are those who felt that because of all this unexpected things that seem to contrary, go contrary to a Rebbe being Mashiach and building the temple and gathering the Jewish people and taking us to the land of Israel felt that um, this is dangerous stuff. We're, going, we're getting into territory, you know, the, you know, can the Rebbe still be Mashiach? He passed away and 
So people got nervous, and it's very, 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 very understandable. And what I would say happened is, again, probably Chabad split, I don't know exactly along the lines, but many people recoiled from the whole, from Mashiach, and so much so that people kind of dropped the Mashiach fervor altogether, not just regarding the Rebbe as a central figure, but even just the whole concept of teaching the world about Mashiach and pushing Mashiach and, and this excitement that we're at the very cusp of a new world kind of went onto the back burner and much of Chabad went into what we call the period of the time of the 70s and the 80s where Chabad was very much recognized and understood. Not so much, there was always a Mashiach element to Chabad, but more the, the good outreach work to reach Jews all over the world. And this is the way it was, I would say, for and the, 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 the drive to study about Mashiach and to teach and to inspire ourselves with these teachings and educate the world um, was laid, was laying, I would say, dormant for 30 years. Until this year. That's what's exciting. Until what's happening exactly now in the short period of time between Pesach and Lagba Omer, the same period, and the inspiration that's driving this new resurgence in Chabad to learn about Mashiach. I'm not saying to go crazy and to run around and scream the Rebbe is Mashiach. I'm not saying that. I'm saying there is an excitement about where the Rebbe left us and to take his, his instruction very seriously about learning about Mashiach and to study it and learn it and then obviously as a result of this be able to teach and to convey it globally not just one person me giving classes and reaching you know a thousand people on YouTube or two thousand whatever it is but having thousands of teachers and inspired people everybody talking and teaching the, the fundamental ideas of Mashiach and what it's supposed to be like and where this inspiration come from it came from now because now it was like brought um, whatever the reasons are, whether it was COVID that kind of, you know, broke our comfort in exile, whether, I don't know, I, you know, to, I think it's a more mystical, spiritual thing that's driving it. It's because it's the, the time of the redemption is here and we can't wait anymore. So there is some kind of something that's, that's in the ear that's, that's organically, as we're going to discuss later in the class, pushing Moshiach out into the forefront of everybody's consciousness. So even those who maybe, you know, were a little less involved and a little less paying attention to this, this powerful seed that the Rebbe planted in each and every one of his chassidim um, is now growing. And what happened is that a few weeks ago, there was an inspiration to get, first of all, what's very beautiful is that there is a there's a unity. In other words, they, you know, it broke off into right wing and left wing and so on and so forth. Now it became kind of like, there, I mean, to a certain degree, obviously, there, we can only always increase in unity and in oneness. But there was finally an, a, a huge, it wasn't the first one. It's not the first. It happened already last year. You know, because the period of, I'll share with you something. I spoke about this last year. Um, the, the Lag Baomer period is also the time, in addition to Rav Shemim Yachai's yard side, it's also the time when 
the plague. There was a plague, and the plague ended 2,000 years, uh, well, something like 2,000 years ago, um, and by the students of Rabbi Akiva. And the students of Rabbi Akiva stopped dying on a certain day because um, the reason it was a plague, the sages then revealed, was because they didn't have respect for each other. They were very opinionated, and they were extreme in their opinions, and they couldn't get along with each other. Everybody was my way or the highway. So they had a certain disrespect. They were lacking respect one for another, and that brought, brought about the plague. So, um, but on, on Lagba Omer, it stopped. So the lesson of Lagba Omer has to be unity. So during the last year when the plague hit, and COVID hit, and it was wreaking havoc in, 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 in surprisingly in the Jewish community, it's very strong, so people took it to heart. And during this period again of the 33 days of Lagba Omer, within, at least within the Chabad world, which is a very significant um, part of the Jewish world, because Chabad means the head, and when you have a healthy head, you have a healthy body. Chabad means the brains. And it's no secret that where Chabad goes, the world follows. Not everybody agrees with Chabad. Not everybody is a proponent. Some people are very against Chabad for whatever reasons. I think it comes from um, a lack of understanding. That's it. A lack of study and learning. If you study and learn, then it, uh, that all makes sense. It's when people just observe things from the side and form opinions. In any case, um, the, the last year, a year ago, and it, it, there was a, by, by, by some heroic people who decided, especially one particular person, who decided that, you know what, we're going to stop this, and created a unity, big unity, what was called a fabreng and a gathering, and called everybody together, and everybody sat. It was a Zoom, so it was easier to sit together. And people that didn't talk to each other, or didn't really, even if they spoke, it was cold because of different ideologies, were sitting together and, 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 and uh, saying l'chaim to each other, and connecting, and talking, and there was a conversation going. It was an incredible bridge building. It happened last year. And this year, it took on a whole new energy. Let's go back to where the Rebbe left us off, and told us about learning about Mashiach, and let's finally take that seriously, and have the entire Chabad get back into the Moshiach study, into the Moshiach mindset. So today, actually, a six-week major learnathon was launched. And the six-week learn, 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 learnathon is related, it's called Tut'altz. Tut'altz in Yiddish means do all. It's the words the Rebbe used when he said, I'm giving it over to you. He said, Tut alts vas ir kent, which in, translated into English means do everything you're able to, to bring Mashiach. Tut alts. So in those words, tut alts, it's actually, you can go to tutalts.com and you can see the project in which they took the fundamental teachings of the Rebbe on Mashiach, on the Rambam. See, the main two clarifiers on Torah, on Mashiach, I would say, are Maimonides and the Rebbe. And I'll tell you why in a moment. The Moshiach is all over scripture. It's all over the writing of the sages. But there are so many ideas, so much about it, that it's hard to like get a clear understanding of what the crux of it, what is the essence of it, and what are just details and so that you can understand it fundamentally. Because you're learning sometimes a lot of information and, you do, and, and it's not structured in a 
A, B, C, D in a way that you can build it from its core. It's just a little bit here and a little bit there. And you see many of the greatest Jewish theologians and, 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 and philosophers struggle with Mashiach, trying to figure out what, what is it about? Is it just a period of reward? Like, what's its inner content? Rambam is the first person who's the, who gave the most, the most comprehensive understanding and filtered, I would say, did an incredible screening and filtration of all the data that there is in, from the scripture and in the sages about Mashiach and filtered it out in two chapters of halacha in the end of Hilchas Malachim and the laws of kings in his Mishnah Torah. That was written 800, 900 years ago, the Rambam Maimonides. And then for 900 years, people studied the entire work of Maimonides, but for some reason, these chapters remained kind of also shrouded in mystery. There was some commentary, but not that much, until the Rebbe came along and opened up these chapters. The Rebbe gave over so many talks on these halachic, genius ana analysis, really mind-blowing analysis. When did the Rebbe do that? Let me explain. The Rebbe did it as a way in which he would commemorate the yearly conclusion of the Rambam study. As we discussed other times, one of the innovations of the Lubavitcher Rebbe and gifts he gave the Jewish people is he encourages all kinds of good deeds. And one of the things he encouraged is Torah study. But the Rebbe encouraged a global Torah study is that all Jews should unify by studying the book of Maimonides, concluded every year. And the Rebbe started two tracks. One is a yearly track where you go through the entire book of Maimonides, you chapter three chapters a day. The other one is a three-year program for those who don't have the capacity to study three chapters of Allah a day to do at least one chapter a day. And then you finish it in three years. Every year, as the Rebbe would ask of us to do, he would learn the Rambam himself at the conclusion of the year, of that yearly cycle of Rambam, the Rebbe would make a siyam on the Rambam, and when he would make a siyam on the Rambam, he would explore another one of the halachos at the end of Rambam. Sometimes he would actually take the same halacha, the same law, and give complete, a whole new layer of insight, mind-blowing, revolutionary insight, Every year, sometimes the same five lines, and suddenly it's a whole new incredible light. And again, don't take my word for it. Go and read it yourself. These are such, they're crazy. The insight and the depth of understanding of like the fundamentals of everything in Judaism, of Torah, mitzvahs, the role that it plays in terms of the world destiny and, how, what, and what exactly Mashiach is and how, what, where, and when. So the most comprehensive analytical study on the Rambam to filter it and clarify things in such a concise, crisp understanding that you really fundamentally grasp what Mashiach is all about is by the Lubavitch, is by the Rebbe. So again, the clearest definition of Mashiach is the Rambam and then the Rebbe clarifies Maimonides like has never been clarified before. So... Now, when the Rebbe encouraged that we should learn about Mashiach, to bring Mashiach, again, when the Rebbe encouraged to learn about Mashiach in order to bring Mashiach, as part of that encouragement, the Rebbe gave out a booklet. When? Today. 30 years ago on the anniversary of today. He gave out a booklet. In that booklet he had published 
four of his talks. Again, they're lengthy, Talmudic-style analysis. Right? Each one is probably about 10 pages or maybe more, 12, 13, 15, you know. So a, and they're, 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 again, very, very crucial. We discussed some of them in previous classes about understanding the foundations of Mashiach, what the era means, what's going to be, what, what is Mashiach all about, Mashiach himself, what is his job, what is, what, what is his primary role, how do we see him, and so on and so forth. Four of those talks, and the Rebbe stood like this by a podium, and for a couple of hours he handed it out. They made like 20,000 copies to every person who passed. I don't remember how many thousand, but this is how he stood. And the Rebbe was very energized, hopefully encouraging that we will learn them. And again, I'm not saying people didn't learn them, but there was no cohesive effort ever in the last 30 years to really get everybody to study it. Because again, it's not easy to study. You have to be well-learned to be able to open up and learn it yourself. So many people need teachers, you need... So today they launched a website with a whole library, and they, 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 they literally pulled from whoever they... You know, good teachers, there's lots of great teachers, everybody with a different style, teaching the same four classes, and it's again going to be released over the next six weeks. Every week, they're going to release another section, and they released it in six languages, Portuguese, English, Russian, French, Spanish, Portuguese, Hebrew, and there might be even one more. And in each, and in at least in English, there are six different tracks of levels of learning. You can learn it easily, a light version, a more depth version, and so on and so forth. And we're hopefully getting thousands of people to study this. This is going to change. This is going to. This is a game changer in my in my opinion. This is going to change the cosmos again because a mind shift and an understanding. And again, this is instructions by the Rebbe of what to do to bring the Giyula. I think this is huge. But I'd like to now get in a little bit deeper and to try to give my own explanation of why this inspiration is happening now and why I believe this is going to, and how it's impacting the world and what's its connection again to this 33-day period and why particularly this year. So now that you have kind of a picture and how based on all of this, we have to shift a little bit some of the accepted ideas that I myself have spoken about before, and I think I was stuck. Again, one of the things we have to be able to do sometimes as a teacher and as someone who inspires others is to be honest, and I'll be honest with myself, I think I was stuck a little bit in a certain mode of thinking that at, regarding particularly the political situation within the world, which I think requires a little bit of a, of a shift. And that shift, I think, is related to what I'm gonna, what, what the Rebbe's idea of Mashiach is. Let me just say it in a nutshell. In those three talks of the three Shabbases, Tazriya Metzaira, Achrei Mois, and Emor, again, these are the three consecutive weeks, and I'm naming them, I'm not giving the, the English date when they were said, but I'm giving you the calendar dates, but I'm giving you the name, the parsha that you can all look the, these, these, these talks up as the Devar Malchus or the, the Sichos, the talks of the Rebbe in 5751, 1991, during, again, these, these three weeks. 
the, the kernel, the idea of it is Moshiach is not someone who redeems the world and creates a new world. That's not Moshiach. Moshiach is not an abandonment, an erasing of the past. Moshiach is not a savior that comes to save the world from all the evil and all the darkness and lead us to God and a new world. That's not a Jewish Mashiach. That might be the Christian Mashiach, but that's not the Jewish Mashiach. And sadly to say, that might have been the Mashiach that Jews have been waiting for, even learner Jews. A Mashiach that will magically descend from heaven and switch things around and create a new magical world. Because there are Midrashic teachings and there are scripture that describe the new world of Mashiach as a very magical type of a world. So what's going to happen? Someone is going to come snap their fingers. Obviously he's going to be backed up by God. So the same God who created this problematic world can create a new world that's going to be without any problems and bliss and ecstasy and love and, 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 and goodness. The Rebbe's main teaching is that's not Moshiach. Moshiach does not to come to erase the old world. Moshiach comes to liberate the world. To liberate the world from its own misconception of what it is and to transform and help the world to uplift the world to make the world that we have already, the dark world, to brighten it up with an organic light, with its intrinsic truth. Mashiach comes to liberate everything in the world and elevate it to a state of geula, a state of redemption. Not a flushing of the dark world, a redefining of everything that exists. So that we get to see all of reality and all of history and all of existence from its divine truth, from God, from the, from the godly perspective. When we all live connected, when all of humanity and all of existence lives connected to their very own truth, which is the truth the nucleus of their own existence, which is the divine, the, the, the divinity that's at the core of, of, of the world. In the words of the Rebbe, the exile in Hebrew is called gola. We're familiar more with the word golos. Golos means exile. But that same word golos is sometimes referred to as gola. Gola means the, a banishment. The word for redemption is the word geula. It's almost the same word. Actually, most of the letters are the same letters. Geula has four letters, gimel, vav, lamed, hey. And geula has five letters, gimel, vav, lamed, hey. But after the gimel, before the vav, there is one extra letter, and that's the aleph. So geula is introducing an aleph into Gola. Now, where is that aleph? That aleph is not coming from outer space. <laughs> the aleph has always been there. The aleph of Geula, which means redemption, has always been in the Gola, but it's hidden. 
So the Mashiach is when we unlock the Aleph in the Gola, reveal in the exile the divinity, the godly content, and when we uncover that, suddenly the entire world is transformed and everybody and everything, there's a universal shift, but it's primarily a mind shift. Obviously, as a result of our mind shift and as a result of our complete different understanding of ourselves and of the world around us, that will create a complete different um, 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 shift in consciousness and, and suddenly we will all be working together for a better world and when 8 billion people are working together for a better world, the world will amazingly become increasingly better in, 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 in enlightening speed. We would take leaps because when, everybody, when the selfishness will dissipate and everybody experiences themselves as part of some, uh, as a component, as an individual, part of a magnificent master oneness that's really at the core of all of our existence and everybody of us is a contributor in a unique way and to express that, that oneness. So suddenly that itself will make the world infinitely better coupled with as the shift of our minds will change, that will create, the, that will create automatically an openness and a declogging and it will allow a descent of powerful divine revelation. And that obviously will expand our enthusiasm, excitement and effort to create a better world and a more beautiful world. So we're not talking about a magical world now, it doesn't mean that miracles won't happen. The miracles will happen. And the miracles will be stunning miracles. Because the more we invite God in, life becomes so much more powerful. And as life becomes so much more powerful, it even reaches a point that death can't exist anymore in the presence of such a powerful force of life to the point that all dead things come alive even those who died thousands of years ago, leading to the resurrection. So it's not some kind of a magic that happens. It's just once we all unclog, and the, the, the Aleph, the U Aleph, now let's see what the Aleph is. What's the Aleph is God? Because Aleph is the first letter of the Aleph base. And the word Aleph actually means chief. It's the chief letter. It's like the chief is the head. It's the chief letter. It's the leader. It's the, the boss, so to speak. So it's also referring to God. Number one, everything is built on number one. The number one of creation. The number one of all of existence, of everything, every creation, every star, every galaxy, every tree, every person, every object, every insect, every idea, every phenomenon, every color, Every, everything, everything, everything of everything, every molecule that makes up the universe, where does it start? It starts with an olive. It began with God wanting it to exist and God generating its existence. But until Mashiach comes, the, the, there is a blockage. There is a, a separation between the olive and the base, the gimel, the dalid between all the, between the, the, 
the, the actual creations are disconnected from the from their from their from what 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 originates them, their origins, their start. And God did it on purposely. He hid the Aleph by the creation. He hid the creator, camouflaged himself from the creations, not allowing the creations to naturally feel that Aleph, that 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 the, that force. Not allowing creation to feel that force. Why? Because God wanted that to come from the creations themselves. That the creation should work and deliberately dig out that Aleph. And the bulk of the work God gave to the Jewish people. And for that God gave us Torah and mitzvot. And for thousands of years we work in a dark world. We work in an uninspired world. We work in the diaspora. We work at the four corners of the entire world. Jews get scattered everywhere for a reason, not as punishment. So that we can unplug the world. Or plug in, I should say, rather plug it in. Unclog. Reveal the Aleph in everything. The divine intent in everything. When we completely remove all the barriers and really tug that oneness, and that's the essence of Judaism. The essence of Judaism is to reveal the one in the many. If you can find one phrase in Judaism that capsulizes all of Judaism, it's the phrase, Hear, O Israel, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. God is one. That's, that's the phrase. And what's the most important word in that phrase? The word Echad. Now what is Echad made up of? So we know. The Talmud says that we're supposed to bring the unity of God into creation. Aleph is God, the singular one. Ches and Dalit represents the diversity of space. Ches is eight, seven heavens and the earth. All spiritual rungs, seven heavens means the spiritual layers. And finally, earth, four directions. We have to reveal the Aleph, uncover the singular oneness that's the root of all of creation, all of existence. And that's the essence of Judaism. When we uncover the Aleph in Gola, we have Gola. So everything, what's going to happen? We discussed this in some classes in the past, this very talk that the Rebbe gave. But the, 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 what, what is going to happen when Moshiach comes? Not an erasing of the world, a redefining of the world, a liberation of the world. So everything we have now in our lives right now, but with endless more meaning endless more significance because everything is going to be experienced with the richness of the divine. Now the primary, we experience things as objects, as, 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 you know, as material things. Nothing is just material. Everything is an expression of something godly, of something infinitely more meaningful. But we're only looking at things and we're seeing maybe 1% or even less of what it really is. And when you appreciate things for what they truly are completely, know its mystical meaning, know its divine purpose and its, and its essence, then everything you do, every experience is exhilarating. Every experience is rich. Every experience is full of life. 
It's so meaningful. It's so powerful. It's so rich. So what's going to happen when Mashiach comes is the world life is going to become infinitely richer, infinitely deeper. Any conversation with a human being is going to register on so much a deeper level of consciousness. Because when I meet someone, I'm not reading, I'm not seeing just uh, 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 I'm not seeing just a, a, a human, you know, a, a person, a person of flesh and blood, so and so. Yeah, this is his business, this is his identity. I'm seeing a, a force in the universe, a godly channel. And when I appreciate that godliness, imagine how it will be when we appreciate our spouses and understand, first of all, appreciating ourselves and then understanding why this is my partner and this is from a divine perspective with all the myriads of layers of deeper and deeper and deeper. And imagine looking into our children's eyes and seeing them as God sees them. Obviously, it will take a time till we can move into that state of consciousness, but, uh, but the flood of knowledge that's going to flood us and the depth of this appreciation of our own children, and uh, I'm talking about the, the primary things in life, and how much more meaning is that going to be to every relationship and to every friendship? and to community, and people in general, but even the respect that we're going to have for every object, for every plant, for every tree, for every bird, for every animal, for every insect, when you understand its godly content, its significance, its overall purpose in the greater scheme of existence, and how this is all expressing the magnificence of this infinite truth of God's being expressed through this world, and the essence of goodness and life, as it's flowing through the universe, through each and every one of us, and everything is unified and harmonized in perfect synchronization with the godly content. So now we're reading things wrong. We're reading things. So the difference between the, the exile world and the Giula world is just one thing. This is a superficial existence. We're just seeing the outside of things, and then we're going to experience depth. That's the redemption. So much so, the Rebbe explains. In these three, again, this is the primary theme in all these three talks. I'm only touching a little bit on, on the main nucleus of it. But it, again, there's so many nuances to it. But just, so in addition to, in addition to, um, you know, how this is going to redefine the current the meaning of life in the current. Um, how is this going to... It's, you know, before we go there, let me, let me just give a little example. The Rebbe says we should start living like this already today. The Rebbe says we should, we, should, we should start living in a Mashiach world. In other words, once we realize that nothing is superficial, nothing is what it appears like on the outside, everything has depth and meaning and godly significance, and you're living in a world full with, div with divinity. Everything is, is, is an expression of God himself. Each thing is a unique, each thing, each object, each person. So as we said before, why do you have to wait for it to be revealed for the entire world if you know the secret, the Rebbe says, then start living it today. And by each and every one of us starting to live in this higher consciousness, it's going to it's going to propel or it's going to like open up the world to this higher consciousness and this higher truth very quickly. The more we are cognizant of it and the more we're living constantly in this Mashiach state of existence. 
So the, it's really a powerful mindfulness in everything that we do, when we're eating, when we're moving. Again, everything. So I'll give you just two little examples that happened just to me in the last two weeks in which things were so meaningful, which otherwise would be just, okay, you know? It's just another physical phenomenon. So I had these um, light, light fixtures in my bedroom that were kind of outdated. I was there from when I rented our, our apartment 25 years ago. And these light fixtures, the old, really not pretty. And I always used to say to my wife, you know, because my wife, thank God, is, you know, likes to decorate and make the house look, feel, you know, very comfortable and nice and beautiful. That's what a woman is supposed to do. And thank God for such a wonderful wife, and she does it. And I appreciate it tremendously. But these, for some reason, these two light fixtures used to like, it was one thing that was like starkly not belonging in, in you know, in the decor of the house. So I, uh, just a few weeks ago, she, you know, was, she, said, oh, she went on her phone. She said, let me find, she, she ordered two new fixtures. So we got these two new fixtures like two weeks ago Friday. Now, if there's anybody that's not handy, it's me, you know. <laughs> to keep my peace in the house, I found a good handyman. And uh, whenever my wife has a list for things to do, she knows already that I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to call my, my handyman, and I'll call him, pay him, a, you know, and he'll, he'll do the work, and she'll be happy, and I'll be happy. She's not going to nag me, and I'm gonna get, and things are going to get done. Fine. Um, but this time, I said, you know what? Change, I can change a light bulb. I can probably change a light fixture. And I was a little worried, because I never dealt with electricity. So I analyzed, and then I managed to delicately... I said, it can't be too difficult. After I took off the old fixture, I saw how it was connected. I said, this is no big deal. Made sure, thank God, to close the lights. The power was off. And I ambitiously attempted to put on the new lights. And guess what? I was successful. <laughs> Made me feel like a million dollars. I'm able to do something, right? Thought. So I put up these two new fixtures in the room. I'm so proud of it, but they needed bulbs. So I ran to a store to get their specialized bulbs. I went to get these special bulbs. And once I went to the store to buy bulbs, I realized that in the bathroom, there's the vanity lights that were also like, one was on, two of them, three of them were burnt out, and they were ugly lights. I said, let me go get new bulbs for that as well. Okay, so I went and I bought the bulbs. And I came home and I put in the two bulbs in the room and there were actually six new vanity lights bulbs in the bathroom. And I put them all in and I was so proud of my work. And that was the way it was for an hour or so, two hours. Then that night, it was Shabbos, and that week was Shabbos Parsha Shemini. Now, the Torah reading is Shemini. Shemini is the number of eight. And the whole theme is, the, is the, that it was the eighth day, and I teach so much in the Hasidic teachings that eight is a very powerful number. It's the transcendental light associated with number eight. So then it occurred to me, I counted in my head. I wasn't actually in shul, I wasn't home. And I count, said, so how many lights did I change on Erev Shabbos, Parsha Shemini, I put eight lights. And I said, wow, Shemini is the energy of eight. And now God is showing me physical new light in my home. In other words, the concept of eight lights as being the transcendental infinite light is a spiritual concept. But what good does it do to the world if it's a spiritual energy that is existing somewhere out there? It needs to be visible in this world. So we can speak about how miracles are visible. But when it becomes so tangible that you yourself screwed in eight new light bulbs, what's light? Physical light is no different than spiritual light. It emanates. It's the same idea. The physical is just a mirror and reflection. So I said, wow, I have these eight lights shining. And you can say it's silly. I think it's not silly. That's Moshiach. 
In other words, that act of changing these lights wasn't just a mundane act of like making light in my house. It suddenly is connected to the divine light and energy that is now infusing the cosmos of number eight, which is finding expression in, in my house as well. I said, wow, that's awesome. And it had so much more of it. Of now every time I, I'm looking at those lights, I'm thinking about <laughs> the powerful lights of number eight. Then, just again, just a small little shift of defining, of seeing things differently. Same thing in my house. For 25 years, we only have central heat. We don't have central air conditioning. You know, thank God LA is not too hot. It's pretty nice weather. It gets hot in the summer. The house was actually pretty decent in my apartment, situated that there's a good wind flow, and we didn't really need it, but we did have individual units, window units, in a few places of the house. Um, I don't know why I didn't ask my landlord this year for, again, without my request, without me complaining or anything like that, they decided to put in central air conditioning. So they put actually in the unit like a couple of months ago, but they didn't activate it. And now, just two, last week, the guy comes in suddenly here, the electrician is here, he, he, he says, you know what, we, we, you know, we're getting the air conditioning done today. So I'm thinking, like, I now got central air conditioning. So what's the meaning of it? Everything has meaning. Again, this is a gift from above. We'll be more comfortable. Well, what does that mean on a godly scale? Not on a, okay, you're comfortable, fine. But there is something there. I'm saying maybe it's a lesson, maybe it's a teaching. So let me share with you. In Hasidus, we learn that there's two forces in the world. One is heat and one is cold. Heat is the force of energy, excitement, fervor, and passion. Cold is cooling off the passion. Now, cooling off the passion is usually not a good thing. But sometimes it is a good thing, because when passion becomes too intense, and it becomes very wild, and it can become a very unsettled force, and it can be destructive. Even a good passion, if, it's, if you can't, you know, if you're so excited about tefillin, and you want to share the mitzvah of tefillin, and you're so excited about loving another Jew, and you're overly excited, so obviously you'll go out and you'll ask people, are you Jewish? Do you want to put on tefillin? Fine. But if you'll run and grab someone and pull him, yank him out of, <laughs> yank him on the bus, pull him up and shove him at Pirates Villain in his face, and God forbid, that's a big turnoff. That's not going to be, ah, you're just expressing your passion. Well, that's, that's, that's an intense passion that's not being put into vessels. It's not settled. It's too wild. It's too, and that's dangerous. The last few weeks in the Torah portions, we're actually, if anybody's tuning into the mystical messages, it's talking about unsettled energy. Energy that's raw and that's too intense and it's not being channeled into constructive containers and vessels. Moshiach means when the lights, the intense godly lights that are really infinitely higher than the world are able to come down in a settled grounded way in containers and in vessels. So I'm analyzing and I'm thinking, heat is the power of excitement. And those of you who listen to my classes know there's a lot of passion and a lot of excitement. I'm generally a passionate person about ideas. And about, but sometimes the passion is just too intense and not necessarily always brought down into containers. Enough. So I was thinking like this. I always had central heat in the house. Central, see there's a difference between individual and central. Central represents the overall approach. Individual means details. So, I have a heat that's working, that's central. 
That means my general mode of my connection to God is based on passion, fervor, emotion. Now, and, and my approach to life. Now, I'm not a total lunatic, I hope I'm not. So there is some air-conditioned units, individual units, that sometimes are cooling down this passion and this fire and settling them to a certain degree. The cooling down energy is what's cooling down and allowing them to come into vessels. But I was thinking, the fact that I just got a gift from above to get central air, again, I didn't ask for it, is a shift in focus that perhaps things need to be worked on. Maybe I didn't start working on it yet. Working on, on bringing things down more in a way that is understandable, more, more contained in constructive vessels, more in my own personal life, maybe focusing on the details of all little small things in my life that perhaps I'm neglecting because I'm so excited about the passion and not focusing the energy into the details to make every small little iota in my personal life godly and mashiachtik. And that's the idea of an, a central air condition. So these are the ideas. Now, why am I sharing this with you? These are private things of my life. I'm just showing you that as a result of learning all these talks, you start thinking godly in the sense that things have godly content. A thing that can be as simple as just a new air conditioned unit or eight light bulbs, are, are, you know, who's thinking that? But Mashiach will come, everybody in the world will be a Kabbalist. Everybody in the world will know what I am. <laughs> this is nothing compared to the knowledge that will flood the world. This is a little bit of the teachings of Mashiach. But there will be so much more and it will be so amazing that everybody will see it and everybody will understand and we will learn and discover more meaning and we will cherish the world, we will cherish the planet, we will cherish each other, we will cherish our existence, we will cherish our relationships, everything that is misplaced, everything that is dark because we're confused, because we don't see things the way they are, we will, um, we, will, we, will, we will stop doing automatically because we won't identify anymore. For example, the way we look at food. Today, food is sometimes misunderstood, and I myself struggle with this, and I believe, as just a, an opportunity for enjoyment, you know? Okay, you gotta take care of your body and, 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 and you know, stuff yourself. Just because it tastes good. It's a sensation, it feels good, it makes you feel good for the moment. That's what it is. But when you realize the dynamic of what food really is, of how you're connecting energies and taking assimilating energies and when you appreciate that and then you realize, so then you don't abuse food, you don't abuse your body because you realize how sacred and how godly your body is and how can you abuse it by not taking care of it well. So you realize everything in the world, suddenly all negative things and then God forbid if a person is tempted with all kinds of temptations regarding um, intimacy and sexuality and things like that, that can also come because you don't appreciate the, sake, the, sanct, the, the, the depth and the sanctity of your marriage and of your union and of your intimacy. And when you appreciate that for the fullest, what it really means, you wouldn't even think of, 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 of misuse of such a powerful, godly force that exists. Same is with so many. Every element, the negativity would automatically lose its appeal its theme, its significance, it will go to the wayside when the world will fill itself. With what? Not a new world. Our world that we have. The very same world. The very same blow dryer. The very same 
food, the very same table and furniture and chairs and cars. Obviously, the world is going to, technology is going to explode. What we think we have now is nothing compared to the advances of what's going to happen. But without the greed and without the selfishness and without the competitiveness, because instead of the center of existence being self, the center of existence is the greater godly oneness that's at the root of all of existence. That's the Rebbe's theme and the Rebbe's idea. Um, obviously, it's a very different take on the, the Messiah that has been, you know, <laughs> people understood. People understood, as we spoke before, some kind of a savior who's going to save the believers. The whole world will die in an Armageddon. Everybody will go up in flames. You know, <laughs> I talk about Mashiach and I have a great audience and some people are pretty interesting and they send me all these scripture of darkness and God is coming to burn and to destroy and his vengeance. Great, you want to you wanna have that Messiah? You can keep him. I don't want to have anything to do with him. That's not, that's not the true idea of Moshiach. Moshiach does not come from a world destroyed. Moshiach comes from the elevation and the sublimation and the transformation of our world. Not only is Moshiach going to transform our, our current world, that's where we're going to, but he's going to redeem all of history. Because once the Aleph is going to be revealed, it's going to be the most amazing aha moment. We will all go, aha, aha. So now I understand the catastrophic events in my own life, the dark moments. Because now suddenly it will all have context. Suddenly everything is replaced in context, both individual pain and suffering and also the greater human suffering, which literally has no price tag, meaning there's no way that we can evaluate the magnitude and the intensity of all human suffering, and especially the suffering that Israel, the Jewish people have been through, whether it's the Holocaust, Inquisitions, uh, uh, slaughter, you know, terrorists, all these things that seem to be so, so obviously ungodly, but so dark and so ugly, are going to be seen within the context of a world reaching its ultimate goodness. Now, today, it's incomprehensible and it's unfathomable for us to be able to see how such darkness will lead to such light. With our small-mindedness of today, of the way we see things today, there's impossible for us to make that connection. In Moshiach's world, with the incredible increase of wisdom and understanding, in other words, we're gonna be thinking we're putting on God's glasses, not our glasses, and seeing the world that God sees it, suddenly everything will make sense. And it will make sense to the point that we will all thank God and say, thank you, Hashem, for all that you've done. Oitcha Hashem ki That's what it says. Mashiach will come, we will say that. So what's going to happen with all the pain? It's not like the pain is going to be disappear in the sense that we will take the dark world, like we will crumple it up and throw it in the trash can. And now we have a new world. And let's say even you can forget about it. But it still exists. In the trash can, if you go and look for it, you can find that crumpled paper with all that horror in it. That's not Moshiach. Moshiach is one that does not destroy and throw the old world in the trash can and crumple it up or burn it. Mashiach is the one that liberates. 
that there cannot be a speck in history. There cannot be a moment of time. There cannot be one iota. There can't be one place in all of reality that is not sacred, holy, and conveying the truth of God. And as much as to us it looks like the total opposite and antithesis to truth and to holiness. But when you see the entire picture, it's all liberated. Let me give you a little example. If I was to take out a canvas, suddenly put it over here, and on the canvas you see certain blotches, certain dots. First of all, you can look at it in meaningless dots, different colors dots. Some of these dots are really ugly, meaning it's a combination of colors and things that are really dis and just seem to be random dark spots. And again, not even pleasing random dark stuff. Totally like, could be very, very, very unpleasant to the eye at best and even painful to look at. If, you're, if this becomes your wallpaper and this is what you have to live in, it could be very disturbing and very... I understand. Some people live in circumstances in life in where they have some very dark blotches that are incomprehensible. Dark and cause them to be miserable. Experiences of their past and, or even currently. That's their wallpaper. That's their screensaver. God forbid. Imagine if suddenly there's this new light turned on, or let's say, I don't know what it would be, I'm not familiar, that suddenly is suddenly, you're looking at the canvas, and with this new light, you suddenly can see what you didn't see before, and the rest of the picture emerges out, 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 out. And suddenly you see this incredible, most beautiful landscape you've ever seen. And you wonder what happened to the dark blotches and the ugly spots. You don't see it anymore. And then you're looking very, very carefully. <laughs> Maybe you took a picture of the dark dot, dot, dots that you saw before and you're doing a comparison. Right? And you're suddenly realizing that in the midst of this incredible, gorgeous mountain with such exquisite beauty, just the whole setting, this dark dot is a crevice in the mountain that's like part of, and it's in the context of what you're seeing now, it's not ugly, it's so beautiful. It's so complementary to the entire thing. It's awesome. And now you redefined what you were looking at. It has a whole different definition. And it's not painful. It's beautiful. That's Aleph. That's Mashiach. Mashiach is the liberation of the sum totality of every moment of history of all of existence. Where everything will make sense and everything will be exquisitely beautiful. But the most important part of Mashiach is that we were the ones who brought out that light. We're the ones who brought out that underlying truth. It's not God doing it. It's not some savior from above who's coming to save those who believe in him. That's not what it is. It's the sum totality of our collective goodness. When we chose to live life based and make choices that are not selfish, but based on a higher consciousness, a higher truth, a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning, a sense of direction, a sense of unity, a sense of understanding that I'm not living just for the here and the now and my momently, momentarily gratification, but I'm here for living a higher life of truth and, re, and, and, and for, 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 a, for, a, for a much bigger purpose than myself. Whether I know that that's God or I don't, but I'm dedicated to something bigger and greater than myself for a greater goodness. And obviously if I know that it's for God and I know it's for holiness, it has so much more impact. 
all these activities and all these actions of all the goodness of all of humanity from the beginning of time until today produces that magnificent, that magnificent picture, that magnif- magnificent life that's only going to get stronger and more beautiful every moment in Mashiach's world. That concept, that idea, the Rebbe created and defined and explained and birthed, if you can say, in those three weeks. Now again, I literally took the kernel of the idea, but not the, ram- the details that the Rebbe spoke, because it's so rich, it's so unbelievable, incredible. To me, as I understood it, and the way I understand it today, when the Rebbe cried in pain, that why, like, I, I'm giving it over to you, it was that labor pain before the birth of this. Now again, the seeds of this idea exist already in Hasidus, it exists in Tanya, it exists in the teachings of the Bolshem Tov, and it exists in Genesis in the Torah. It's just that you don't necessarily see the Torah that way. You don't see the ideas of it. You don't see when the Baal Shem Tov brought Hasidism and started focusing on the unity of God and then the, the first Rav Shneer Zalman of Liadi started taking the concept of the Baal Shem Tov and of the unity of God and changing the mindset of all of, of the focus of all of Judaism that it's not about heaven, it's about our world, it's about the here and it's about the now, it's about God's desire to express himself and live inside of us and through us and be within us and be within our world, and be partners with us. And finally, it reached the clearest definition in these three talks. Based on this, the Rebbe says, we're all partners in making it happen. Because it's not waiting for some redeemer to come. Everybody has to participate. Especially when you're coming, we were all been participating unknowing that we're participants. Now he's saying we should be conscious about it because we're holding at the very end and we should all do whatever we can to hasten it. How do we hasten it? By appreciating and studying this more, understanding it more, and living this way more. And we're infectious and we teach it to others and others start appreciating and seeing the world from this perspective. And suddenly you have a global transformation. And again, the little human efforts that we do from below bring about a help from above. God as well begins to express and reveal and, and, and make that Aleph more tangible. He's matching our efforts only on a godly scale to speed things up, to help the world into this transformative and, and, and shift in consciousness and the magnificent Mashiach world that it produces. One of the fundamental ideas the Rebbe spoke about, again, I, I, there's nothing I can do to substitute actually sitting down and learning them. And I gave classes on them already individually, but I think I'm putting it together a little different today. Um, one of the fundamental ideas that the Rebbe connected it to at, during that time, again, 30 years ago, is the concept that you know the Rebbe would always teach the Parsha, an insight on the Parsha. And he would also connect it to all the other studies that were relevant on that particular time. So we know that in the seven weeks or the six weeks between Passover, Pesach, and Shavuos, we study ethics of the fathers. Every week a different chapter on Shabbos. So that week, one of the weeks was the third chapter. In the third chapter of Pirkei Avos, it's amazing. <laughs> By the way, it's just astounding for those who learned these three sikhs, we'll see that in the first, second, in the second, third, and fourth chapters, again, the Rebbe studied one week the second one, the next week the third, and again in these three weeks, 
the second, the third, and the fourth. He integrates it in the middle of his talk. He gives an explanation on the Pirkei Avas, connecting it to what he was talking about. Each one of them, he revolutionizes. He finds the deepest idea in what the Mishnah seems not to be saying at all. He finds the, the kernels of these super cosmic ideas. Always, he doesn't have to find some Mishnah that supports. He finds it always in the first words of the Perak. The first words of the Mishnah suddenly is mind-blowing in all three of them, in the three weeks. So in the second week, which is week, week number three of Pirkei Avos, the Rebbe then spoke about the opening verse of the third chapter. It says over there, you should look at three things and you won't come to sin. You will not come to sin if you examine, you, you, you deeply examine and, 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 and look at three things. What are the three things you should look at? Um, you should know what's above you. No, it says, uh, you, should, you should think about three things. Know from where you come from. No, you know your, your humbling, humble beginnings, because like this, a person is arrogant. But when you know that you really started from what, what, what we started from, um, the, the, the Mishnah says, from a putrid drop, which is the seminal drop that creates a human, so what are we, a tiny little drop that our essence is coming from. And where are we going to? Well, the end of every human life is not that appealing as it's buried in the earth. As the Mishnah says it very dramatically, a place of worms and bugs. And then finally, who are you going to give your soul, which is going to last, the body is going to decay, the soul that's going to remain is going to have to do an accounting in front of the one and only, the master of the universe. So when we think about this every day, even just for 60 seconds, where do I, where do I come from? Where am I? In life, we become so obsessed with our own ego, with our own self, that we become like, forget everything. But we think about, where I, I'm, I'm not so, the world existed without me for so many years. Where did I start? A little drop. And where am I going? Ending up my physical, earthy existence, but my soul is going to have to give it a counting, a reckoning, I better take my life seriously. That's the Mishnah, and that's the way everybody studies the Mishnah for thousands of years. Some rabbi gives a little bit of an interpretation like this, another one interpretation like this. Everybody, the Rebbe comes, <laughs> blows up the Mishnah, asks a couple of questions, which I'm not going to say right now, just that way he like, presents that there's a problem with this Mishnah. He says, but no, let me just ask one question that the Rebbe said. What does it start with? Look at three things. Who cares if it's three? The Mishnah wants to tell you. In order not to sin, know where you came from, know where you're heading to, and who you're going to get given accounting for. So say that. Say, anybody that doesn't want to sin, here's your advice. Think about where you come from, where you're heading to, and who you're going to give an accounting for. That's it. Why does it start with, look at three things and you won't come to a sin? Who cares that it's three? Every word of Mishnah is precise. And the Mishnah is concise. If you, wanna, if you like counting, count. So the Rebbe says, there is a teaching, even if you don't look any further. If you don't want to sin, examine three things. That's it. Not even what it says, the rest. That, that's extra. There's more to it. But just these three things. Just look, think about three. The number three. And what it represents. And here's the revolutionary idea. He 
He says, in general, a person could be living in a world, if you're a religious person, if you're a God-fearing person, if you're a person that is conscious of God, and you know you're here to serve God, you're a good Jew who's here, whether you're Jew and you're not Jewish, whatever it is, you're a God-conscious human being. That's why you're learning ethics of fathers, because you're, you're, you're obviously tuning into the sages, you're, you're, and, and you're learning the subject of not to sin, so obviously you care about not sinning, right? So what do you think about? So you think about one thing, your duties to God. There is, a, there is God, there is you, and now you, you want to fulfill what God ex expects of you. So you, you're observant of his commandments, you don't break the law, and you try to follow the law and do the best you can so that you will find favor in God's eyes. And like someone says, you will be saved. <laughs> be saved. You'll be in, in a good shape. God will reward you. Everything will be fine. And that can be your drive in life. In other words, of course, there are other things. There's your family. There's your children. There are your neighbors. There is the, your community. There is, but these are not, this is not, your, this is not what make up your core identity. Your core identity is as you're a subject of God. So there's a great God, there is you, and you have to serve in the course of serving it. So there are details, how you serve, how you, and all the parts of your life, how God instructs us how to live. But what's important? It's you and God. It's two. There's one, that's one way of, of living life. The Rebbe says, that's not the teaching. That's not the way to avoid sin, and that's not the right path in life. The right path in life is to acknowledge and to realize and to appreciate and to understand that there is number. There's a third phenomenon. The third phenomenon is just as important and just as significant as the two, yourself and God. There is a world. There is a world. There is a place, a physical world, a universe. There are people. There are... There is, a, there, is a, there, there, there is an existence. There is a world. And the world is not just a test. You see, many people see the world just as a distraction, as a test. If you're a person of faith, you don't get distracted so much by the world. There's temptation. You're watching out temptation. Everything that comes your way is kind of seen more with suspicious, negative, possibly bad. Let's keep away from it. Stay focused. If we... If we're good, we can overcome all the tests and trials and tribulations of life, and then we're redeemed, and we go to heaven. Fine. Then the world is just a means to an end. It's not important in essence, because it's not part of the ultimate equation. It's just the, the, the means through which you can score points in God's eyes and get to where you need to get to. The Rebbe says, no, 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 no. The world is part of it. Because the relationship of you and God involved the world. God wants to meet you, be intimate with you, be one with you. Where? In this world. This world is the place. This world facilitates the unity between you and God. And only over here in the world will your unity with God be perfect. By what? By revealing the, the Aleph, as we spoke earlier, by revealing the truth of the world. Only here is where God's essence will reveal himself to you. Not in heaven. In the material, physical, and the here and the now, and the time and the space of your life. So the world is not a means to an end. The world is the end itself. Because there is a con convergence of all three 
You, God, and the world that God gave you to rectify, to reveal Him in. And forever and ever, you're going to be living in this world in your, con- in your relationship with God. It will happen where? In the world that you're living day to day now. Don't dismiss the world. Don't dismiss the physical. Don't see it as just a passageway. It itself is the purpose. Shift from a two-world, and then, obviously, you realize how responsible you are for the world. How much you cherish this physical world. And how much respect and awe and, and how, how important it is for us not to segregate, not to, you know, I don't care what's happening. You know, don't care. Don't care what's going on. I'm just locking myself up and doing my thing. That's not what it is. We're all responsible. We're all in spot for the world, for, huma- for humanity, for my neighbors, for my community, Jew and Gentile. For every person around, child, adult, old, young, teenagers, you're responsible for your entire neighborhood, as many as you can influence, to inspire, to, to, to bring out the Aleph in them, if they don't know yet. Not by preaching, but by living, by inspiring, by, 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 by first of all, being an example, but also by <laughs> seeing the godliness in them and automatically they will see the godliness in themselves and in the world around them. Uncover this truth. Look at number three, and that's why I'm connecting it to this year, because this year is three, 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 three. It's the three element that's so dominating. This is the Mashiach. We say the Rebbe's Mashiach. The Rebbe's innovation of Mashiach. Where the world is part of it. It's an organic Mashiach. Mashiach that grows out of every element of creation. All as one. Every aspect of existence is all part of this organic truth that needs to just emerge outward. Based on this concept, there was a lot more to say. But based on this concept... Let me add one more interesting point, just to support the concept that I was mentioning, that these three talks of the Rebbe, and just parenthetically, I don't think it's parenthetically, I think it's very deeply connected, is what we say, is, I'm saying it's the, it's, the, it's the ideology of Mashiach. It's birthing a concept, and the Rebbe giving it us to, for all of us to teach the world, to inspire the world with this. If this is taught well, and I might not be the best teacher, but if this is taught well and this is explained to everybody, who can, who's going to reject this? Who's not going to like this? To who doesn't this speak to? Isn't this the desire of every being? To be liberated from the shackles of constricted consciousness. And to see, to see the, the, the magnificent beauty and, 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 and truth of all of reality. Just that people have associated religion with... A complete different message. So sometimes people are allergic to religion. But it's not this message. It's religion that might be uh, allergic to. Not this intrinsic oneness and truth of all of reality and all of existence. This is what people are craving for. Thirsting for. 
longing for, even those that are the most anti what they imagine to be God. The, um, oh, so, so this concept to be taught, this is the birthing of this idea, happened at the same time that the rabbis in Chabad and in Lubavitch itself, there was a major powerful introduction where people saw and believed that the Rebbe is Moshiach. And the people brought him a letter of all rabbis sending, accepting his kingship. It's interesting. The Rebbe at that time, encouraging it, accepting it, smiling, endorsing. People were signing that they're accepting the king and so on and so forth. Because Moshiach's world the beautiful world that I'm talking about is going to have a leader, it's going to have a director that's going to direct humanity and inspire humanity in this and be the highest prophet ever and be the greatest communicator of, of this one truth and this divine. So people at that time identified the Rebbe as the person that's bringing this truth and the Rebbe accepted it, acknowledged it, and encouraged it. So it's very interesting. Again, for those who just want to... Um, you know, get nervous and, and say, oh, you know, it's okay, go do your thing. Uh, if, you're, if you want to listen and you want to hear and you want to open up and understand things on a much deeper level, I invite you to listen. Um, at that time, that entire year, months before that, the, the Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, um, kept on saying that that year, 1991, it has all the signs that the rabbis predicted prophetically thousands of years earlier that Moshiach will be revealed. That's the year that Moshiach will be revealed. And the Rebbe was pointing out to a specific year, 1991, Tavshin Nun Aleph. He called it the year of Arenu Neflos, we will see wonders. The year of Moshiach's birth. Not Mashiach as being physically born, a little baby, but Mashiach being revealed. In the earlier parts of the year, the Rebbe kept on saying, this is the year that it is going to happen. That according to the Medrash, this is supposed to happen. After this three-week period, somewhere in between, before and this week, in this three-week period, not during these three weeks, but later in a couple of Weeks later, Parshas Nasai, for those who want to check it up, and Parshas Bullock, the Rebbe goes back to predicting this, that year, 5751, as the year that Mashiach is revealed. But he uses different terminology. He doesn't say it in the, in the future, Mashiach will be born. He mentions it in the past. He's saying, this is the year that we've already experienced that Moshiach is standing on the roof of the base of Migdash and telling the Jewish people the time of redemption has arrived. He's shifting and changing. So he's being modest, if I can say the best. Not being very explicit, but pretty explicit if you're paying attention to the nuances that he's changing. In the beginning here, he's speaking about an event that is going to happen. After this period that I'm talking about now, he's speaking about something that happened already. So again, my thesis is that it happened during this three, during this Lagba Omer, this, during this 33-day period of the completion of the birthing, coming after the most intense 
contraction. The contraction was that global cry when the Rebbe shook the world, shook up the crying out in pain, of the pain of the exile. That's the pain of birth. So mentally, philosophically, ideologically, so to speak, the Rebbe is creating the, 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 the idea of, not, not, create, not creating anything, revealing the, 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 a concise understanding of Mashiach and giving us the insight so that we can enter into Mashiach consciousness. He's birthing the idea during, in that period of time or communicating it, revealing it. At the same time, the idea and the innovator of the idea, I believe, are intrinsically connected. The innovator of the Mashiach idea is Mashiach himself. So the birth is taking place at the same time. It was a very, very powerful time. Not getting into the question, how can it be that there was a stroke, and how can it be that there was a Gimel Thomas? The discussion's for other times. It's not, not meant for now. I know those of you will ask the question. It's fine. It's a good question. To me, in my understanding, the reason why I insist on the persona of Mashiach, not just the concept, is because... Once you understand the, the fundamental, the deep shift and the deep understanding the Rebbe is giving us over everything else that's written in Jewish literature, and the Rebbe doesn't negate anything. The Rebbe uses all the previous literature to prove his point and to uncover, and then you read them and you see, ah, they, they're, they're kind of saying what he's saying, but so much deeper. It, it, it's... Again, if you know the Rebbe, if you learn it yourself, it's too, it's not, it's too short of a, even though I'm talking for so long, but to really explain this. But those who, who know and are familiar with the teachings can see this. Appreciate and understand it. <laughs> he is it and it is he. There's, there's no there's no one else who has this insight, who has this, who has this approach, who has this. This is the message. And the message is coming from the messenger. It's intrinsically one. It can't be any other way. So if there's concealment, there's concealment. So it's a temporary concealment because the Rebbe then told us at that time, you know, I'm already at Mashiach's threshold. I need you guys to catch up. So as I mentioned, the Rebbe said we should learn. For 30 years we haven't been learning. So now we're actually starting to catch up, to learn and to say, hey, that's incredible. Um, oh, by the way, so again, this year is the year 33333, which has to do all with the Rebbe's Moshiach, the Rebbe's perspective on Moshiach. A Moshiach that engages, involves the world, not a Moshiach that transcends the world, that's coming from, from the outside. Moshiach that's coming from the inside, that's number three. The world is part of it. So the year 333. Plus, this year is the year of the big Aleph. Arenu Pelois. You'll see the, the Pele. You'll see the... And Pele is the same letters as the Aleph. You will see the Aleph. It is the year of the Aleph. So this, this teaching, that, that it's all about that Aleph, it's all about that inner oneness that has to be revealed, this is the year for it. So there's so much to it. Powerful. Based on all of this, let's revisit what I asked in the beginning. What's going on? 
when you're seeing a world today's days that seems to be um, taking some backward steps, opposite of what we know regarding Mashiach. So let me say an interesting idea. Just an interesting idea. I was of the opinion that in 2016 things shifted and the power of Mashiach kind of began, move, like, took powerful force. And, I, and, I, and again, I'm not, I'm not negating anything I said, and I stand fully by what I was saying in, by 2016 and in the last few years, that the political shifts and change that are happening in the world, the Rebbe at that time said, Mashiach is operating in the world. So you will see the forces of Mashiach. And so I pointed out so many times how all these major things that happened from 2016 till 2020 were so synchronized with the Lubavitcher Rebbe, with, his, with the Chabad holidays, with general Jewish holidays and Chabad holidays. It was so clear that it's a force from above that's just coming through and going against the grain of so many things that were happening. When in 2021, first COVID happened, okay, we were able to like include that in the whole thing. But then when in 2021, and, and we had this whole uh, upset, and what seems to be, let's be very clear and open, the powers of the left suddenly took over and started to, you know, grab the entire government, the presidency, the Congress, the, and the, everything moved to the left. It seemed to be very dark. So what was my philosophy? How, how, how can I explain this? So my philosophy was, please, please, you know, if listen to the end. I, I would recommend. If you're listening to Ray Tull now, I would recommend listening to the end. So my philosophy was that a minute before it, yeah, the powers of holiness are pushing forward. The godly forces in the world are pushing forward. And therefore, godly conscious people were in control. But... A second before it, go, it the light shines. The, the 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 unholy is 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 kind of putting up its last. It's gra gasping for air. It's it's grabbing onto anything, and it's a powerful force. That's why you're seeing such intensity on on on, on forces that are so anti uh, the Mashiach truth. And my thought was, what was going to happen? is that being that it's already at the very end, there's no life in it anymore. It's just going to implode on itself. In other words, yes, we're going to have a leftist government and it's going to, and there's so much falseness and there's so much lies and there's so much deception and there's so much, it, it, it won't last. It will just, it will, and, and it, it will just disintegrate. And, and therefore, and that will help for truth to be revealed. So my, the problem I have, and, and, and this is where I'm getting to with all of this, the whole notion the Rebbe is talking about is Moshiach coming with the world and through the world, not through the destruction of mankind. And even though I was seeing a big change, like we spoke earlier, the, the, the billion, millions of, of Muslims that are now becoming best friends with Israel, and millions of Christians that have, for thousands of years, Christians have persecuted the Jewish people, and it's such a shift to become so supportive of Israel, and so on and so forth. So all this is such a shift in humanity, and it's all messianic, and it's all part of the movement, transformation of nations, and so on and so forth. 
But that's all the right side. And then what's with the left? So I, I, the way I was seeing it until 2020 is that the right is just going to gain power and power and power. And somehow it's going to shift into Moshiach directly. That from the, this rectification that we're seeing, Mashiach will take over, and then all those that are opposing will realize that it's not that that their opposition wasn't true, and whoever's really not going to like it is somehow going to move away, if you can say. So that was my understanding to a certain degree. Again, I didn't figure it out; no one knows exactly, but that was kind of the understanding. Well, they will see the light; they will see the truth. When they took over. What was my understanding of how this is leading to Mashiach? It's going to implode. It's going to collapse. The lies are going to become so, so, and, and, and then anybody that has a little bit of caring and, and a little bit of truth is just going to look at it and say, this is so despicable and going to let go of it and, and truth is going to be revealed and Mashiach will be revealed and of course that's going to help with the whole process. That was my mindset and that's the way I saw it. But it didn't fit exactly with the concept of Aleph and Gula because Mashiach has to be an organic process. And that it includes the world, not dismisses the world. So I needed to take a little bit of a deeper and re-examine and re-shift my understanding. Right and left are two forces in the universe. Two forces. Both of them could be corrupted and both of them could be... And both of them serve a purpose. What happened on the right, so let me put it just in simple words. From 2016 to 2020, I believe, was the final rectification of the right side of humanity. Of all the entire human population that exists with conservative ideas, religious concepts, and so on and so forth, there was a rectification on the right. 2021, the rectification is taking place on the left. Because when you look deeper, you see that not only is the right ready for Mashiach, but even the anti-God left is so messianic that it's unbelievable. And this might be shocking to a lot of people who were listening to my classes and saw my political leanings to the right because of my care for religious ideas and so on and so forth. I don't like the abortion on the left. I don't like the LGBT element that's obviously the opposite of a godly way of living. I don't like the pro-Palestinian notion on the left. I don't like the atheistic belief. I didn't like this environmentalist element because of it being so seemingly rooted in atheistic beliefs instead of a God that's controlling the universe. So many of the ideas, and obviously the anti-Israel sentiment and all of this, which was so abhorrent, and so many of the other things which are so but I think because of this Aleph Geula thing I think we have to look much deeper and realize that left is like so crazy Mashiach it's just they don't know it because the core drive and I'm not talking about some manipulators some people that are in it for whatever. On the right side, there's also people that are, don't have good intentions. Everybody knows that. But uh, there's a lot of manipulators, people that are instigating the masses, people that are driving chaos, uh, carnage, instability, uh, what we call uh, uh, anti-America, anti... 
um, I'm not talking about the instigators that have political and maybe very, very dark motives uh, and, or just very selfish motives of making a lot of money. You know, misuse of funds that are going to be given by the trillions and people are going to get rich and, and just use the masses as, as pawns. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that. And maybe it exists, maybe I'm, I, that's not my, listen to, to political talk shows for all of that. And that's not my idea. I'm talking about the millions of, of, of passionate believers in the far left. Simple people, the passionate youngsters that are so fervently fighting for social justice, for social, for the rights, for the, for the, for the what would they call the underdog, for people that they believe are being mistreated, for people that are racially um, um, mistreated, for people that are, like th this powerful passion which includes fighting for animal rights and fighting for, for and, 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 and for, um, oh, what's it called again? Um, the the uh, environment, saving the environment and so on and so forth. That are devoted and dedicated with such passion and such sincerity in the same way that people are devoted for religion and in many ways even stronger because you see how powerful they are. And the religious right is kind of, seems to be a little out of steam. So it almost became a religion, but it is a religion. You know what it is? It's a belief in God. It's a belief in this oneness. And it's a willingness by all these people to transcend their personal immediate gain to live for a higher cause and for a higher goodness. It's so Mashiach. You see, when Mashiach will come, it says that there are Domim Tzamayachai Medaber. So Domim is the inanimate. So Mech is the plant. Chai, the plant, vegetation. Chai is animal. And human is human. And we've always perceived human as the highest. It says when Mashiach will come, we will see that the inanimate, everything will go upside down. We will see the holiness of the inanimate. The inanimate is so godly, it's so holy. So what are people fighting for? for the preservation of the environment, of the inanimate, of planet, of Earth. And people are willing, and I'm gay, I'm not talking about the billionaires who you take private jets and then talk about global warming and, and uh, whatever. I'm talking about the, 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 the plain young youngsters by the millions across the entire world that passionately care about it to the point that they're willing to make their lives a bit less comfortable, not have all every single pleasure or availability or access to certain things because they feel it's going to destroy the environment. Well, there is something very, very holy about the environment, something very, very godly about it. How about this incredible care for animal? Now, in Torah law, we're given the right to eat an animal. God gave permission. But God didn't get gave permission to consume animal meat just I mean, God gave permission, but there is an intention in that. The intention is to use it for something holy and godly, to sublimate it, to elevate it, to, to use it for a godly purpose, not because you have a right to destroy something that God, just because you want to live. It's something much deeper. Human life is very sacred because you can serve God and you can elevate it. But just the consumption of a burger loaded with, you know, smothered with... with uh, <laughs> With 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 um, sautéed onions and mushrooms and and jalapenos and who knows what, just to to create a 
a, 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 uh, a, what do you call it, a symphony of, 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 of taste experiences at the expense of the cow. God didn't really recommend that. Now, I'm not willing to give up my burger. Why? Because I enjoy my burger. <laughs> so I'm a little bit lacking in my Mashiach consciousness. You have millions of people who are every day refraining. They are vegetarian. They're not touching the animal. Now, they don't, again, because they're, they have the sensitivity. What's the sensitivity? This is a powerful Mashiach sensitivity. For thousands of years, people lived on ego. People lived on my personal enjoyment and my personal what I need and I want overrides everything. And you have people that are so super sensitive to it. They're super sensitive to the environment. Super, super sensitive to people's rights being violated to the point that they're ready to go on the street and take on the cause and fight for justice and so on and so forth. Whether it's all right in every situation, whether it's smart to fight the police that need to protect, I'm not getting into that, but the concepts over here are very messianic. When Mashiach will come, we won't have police anymore. We once gave a whole class on that. That's going to be, it's one of the, instead of the police, we're going to have counselors and educators. And that's what they want. They fervently believe. Now, can you implement that exactly in today's world before you, uh, before you fundamentally change certain things in people's lives? Obviously very dangerous, very not smart. But the core energy is so Mashiach, it's unbelievable. It's definitely, probably, as strong as on the right. It's just... Perhaps not so clarified. Or not identified with God. It's a certain sensitivity, a certain recognition. Because again, as I mentioned earlier, most people have a misunderstanding of what God is. It's, like a, it's, a, it's a boxed definition of God. Not a true, deeper understanding. So the moment Mashiach comes and people open up and hear the message, they say, that's exactly what we're looking for. That's exactly what we want. A world of compassion, a world of caring, a world where we all live for ideals that are bigger than ourselves, for a higher good, for a greater good. Yes, the wealth of, of the world should be shared, but not because I don't like and I don't want, I want to be lazy and you give me your money, but because we understand and appreciate that there is much more than, 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 than my power as opposed to the goodness that we can all give. Yeah, when Mashiach comes, Mashiach might inspire that people give a lot of their earnings away for others. It's actually very in sync with Judaism and the way of tzedakah and so on and so forth. doesn't necessarily mean that the government should take it. I'm not getting into the details of it. I'm speaking about the general themes that are driving the millions, the hundreds of millions that I would characterize as the far left is so super Mashiach. So you turn to the right and you see Mashiach. And you turn to the left and you see Mashiach. To make this even crazier, again, this is just getting a little, is that the numbers that we spoke about of the rectification of the world is number 33. So it was interesting that Trump, the numeric value of the Hebrew word Trump is 330. And when it came the year 3333, and I looked and I found that Trump is the numeric value, not Donald Trump, but just Trump itself, 330. He's the leader kind of of the movement on the right. 
I'm saying, hey, for sure he's going to win the election in the year 3333 since, for sure. But then I had a problem. Because when I looked at the name Biden, in Hebrew, Beis Yud Dalet Nun, is 66. What's 66? It's 33 and 33. Two times 33, which is 3333, three, 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 four threes of the year. Now, I'm not getting into, I'm not a big fan of Biden. <laughs> But he's kind of representing and being at least put in there maybe as a puppet. I don't know. Again, I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not a talk show host. I'm not here to discuss politics. I'm trying to see the movement and the trend in the world from a godly perspective. So we're looking at the number 66. So he's also fitting in. And I was nervous actually before the election because I saw that there's a possibility that it fits in and synchronized with the year. So then I'm looking at these two numbers, 33 and 66. 33 are the days if you give birth to a boy. The days of purification, it's 33 days, where the mother is pure. I think the period of time that the 33 days represent is a certain rectification that's associated with the right side, because male and female are right and left. Those are familiar with Kabbalah, male originates on the right side, female originates on the left side. Woman's power is from the left, man's power is from the right. Well, you have actually more women um, supporting the left and more men supporting the right in general. But there's a big distinction in that. Um, men is right and female is. How many days is their purification? 33. Trump is 330, the number 33. Biden, 66. 66 pure blood, which means I think this period of time that seems for the religious believer and for the, yes, the notion that they're kind of talking to Iran, do I, no, that's very dangerous. The, 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 so, uh, the, um, the, the refunding of Hamas, terrible. Somehow and somewhere, there is the element of the, of, of the lies being exposed. Just in the last two days, one of the, the architect of the whole, of the whole um, nuclear uh, deal with Iran, John Kerry, uh, who I uh, very much don't support, let's just say it <laughs> lightly, um, turned out exposed, at least that's what they're reporting, um, has been... Bitch a horrible, betrayed Israel and betrayed the United States in the most horrible way. And it's all coming out. So, you know, give him power and it'll expose a lot of the, a lot of the garbage, a lot of the falsehood. But that doesn't mean letting out, flushing down the baby with the bathwater. We can take broad strokes or we can look at things more, more, and analyze things more carefully. Find the powerful good that there is in, in things that might seem to be off, and yet, wow, just a little tweak, a little shift, and everything will change with all these people. So Mashiach is not going to erase all these people's aspirations and dreams, just going to shift it a tiny bit and direct it and they're all his. They will be eating out of Mashiach's hands 
All these people, because they also want his message. That's all I'm saying. If we can take away just the outer clipa, the outer shell, and expose it for what it really is. You know, the example, and that's again, only the Lorebbe, and that again, it all falls back to the Rebbe because the Rebbe has this insight. When during the hippie movement, the 1960s, 19, right? In the 60s, I wasn't born yet in the 60s, but in the 60s, during the hippie movement, one of, a biggest calamity befell the, 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 uh, the generation of the 40s, the, the earlier generation. They looked at their children and they said, these kids are going nuts. They've currently lost their way. They've lost all sense of decency, of morality. They have no, no modesty at all. Everything is out in the open. There is, there is such, and, and, and they've lost just the basic mannerisms of being a mensch with long hair, meaning they're just, just a disregard for, for the way people would kind of present themselves in a certain fashion, in a certain way that was acceptable. This is like a whole rejection of everything, just to live a wild, partying life without any, without any morals and just doing whatever they want. Drugs and who knows what. And everybody in the world was screaming. I mean, anybody that this is very dangerous. These are this is a danger to the youth. Where's the youth going? They're going down the drain. This is the most corrupted generation ever. Talking about religious leaders who cared about morality and the thing and ethics. The Lubavitcher Rebbe had a completely different view from everybody. The Rebbe looked at these hippies and said, "These are people that are rebelling against the materialistic view of their parents." a worldview that's based on making money and living selfishly. They don't want it. They want something more. They want something deeper. They're rejecting this. They're looking for something that's going to satisfy their soul. Now, if they're taking drugs or, 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 overdo, or over, overly um, you know, casting everything to the side, and that's just a cry for give me, give me meaning, give me something deeper. And the Rebbe saw it as an incredible opportunity. And the Rebbe said, go out and speak to these young, speak to these hippies. And you know what happened? So many of these hippies became Hasidim and became movers or shakers in the entire Hasidic world. These very hippies. Because they, were, they, were, they, weren't, they weren't stuck. The Rebbe couldn't stand us being stuck in certain, in certain you know, places because we don't want to upset this one or that one or this. The Rebbe wanted people to be generic and real and if you believe in something fight for it go against the grain these people are willing to do it they're not stopping for anything so the Rebbe said speak to them now does that, that mean that the Rebbe endorsed everything about the hippies no but the Rebbe saw the, the truth of it so I'm extending that to what's going on today that if you look deeper you know, that doesn't mean I'm endorsing lots of anti-godly things, but I believe that that's superficial. There is something so much more, so powerful. If I can conclude. The purification on the left is going, is happening now and is going to, I mean, get even clearer and clearer and to hasten it. And to reveal it more, it's because there is an involvement in Moshiach 
everything that there is in the world exists on more spiritual planes. So in the Hasidic world, in the wor- there is also the right and the left. In the Chabad world, there's a right and the left. When I spoke before that there were two camps in Chabad, those who were like very, very, very fanatically committed to the Rebbe's final Mashiach message and to the identity of the Rebbe being Mashiach at all costs and not compromising a bit, but running with that message. And those on the left who were very much concerned with the world and with how people are taking it and how so on and so forth, who shied away and kind of moved away from it. That's also called, in Chabad, it's called the right and the left. <laughs> so when the right becomes Moshiach Dig, it creates a ripple effect on the entire right, that the right side is Moshiach Dig. Or we might say those to the right in the world. When the left side starts learning about Moshiach and becomes Moshiach Dig, then it's going to uplift the entire left of the world. And if you want to go deeper in it, I'm just going to say one last thought that it's really connected. The right side is easier to fix. The reason the right is easier to fix is because the right is the side of kindness, and kindness means revelation. More godly revelation. That's why those that are religious believers are generally considered on the right because there's more godly revelation. So they, those, their souls are plugged into the right side of things, can deny God. He's more obvious on the right. But there can be corruption in that belief itself. For example, Christianity corrupted the idea of belief in God in a very corrupt way for thousands of years, using it in a way that was persecuted and harming and anti the Jewish people and anti God's agenda in that sense. It's only recently that the entire, that so much of the Christian world is doing teshuva and re, re, you know, recognizing the Jewish people still as the chosen people and as God's people and as those who belong in Israel and so on and not wanting to harm but wanting to support. It's a whole shift from the cursed Jews that the European Christians were. It's a rectification. It's a rectification on the right. Now there is the left. The left side is the side of Gevura. Gevura means withholding. Now why is God withholding? Therefore the left is much more darkness. And that's why there is a whole culture denying God. But the purpose over here is, why is there a left? Left side represents God withholding his light so that we can be more active participants. The world becomes more pronounced. Existence becomes more pronounced. And God's truth does not overwhelm us, but rather we can discover him from within ourselves. So obviously the purpose of here is the right and the left should work together. In, in, in Has- I, I, there's a lot to talk about here and I'm, I'm just skipping over. I'm going to throw in some wild ideas just very quickly. The right side represents lights and the left side represents containers and vessels. Vessels means the world itself is containers. Um, the right has more faith, more energy in the sense, more godly conviction. The left, as we said before, more resistance because the left side of the universe is more disconnected. It's more a existence which appears and has a self, a, 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 it needs to discover it intrinsically from within itself, not passed on from above. That's, that's the characteristics of the left and of vessels and of containers. It's easier to work with the right but it's more satisfying, ultimately, the left. Because the, 
ultimate satisfaction of God is when the world is really ready for Mashiach. The world is ready for Mashiach when everybody is thinking Mashiach, not because of religion tells them to think of Mashiach, but because just intrinsically, naturally, the way people are hardwired is there, without the idea of God as a religious God, just naturally and sensitivity, people sense the oneness of the universe, the higher purpose of creation, even though they're not interpreting it as creation. That means the left side, that means the world has become so one with God that it doesn't need a preacher to tell it about God. It itself recognizes Hashem from within itself. Even if at this point it's still denying God, it's still recognizing God. And so it's much deeper when it's the vessels, the containers. In Chabad itself, if you're tracing it back to its roots, those that are tending to be on the right, what we might call the more, are people that generally gravitate more to what, what, you know, what we were told is absolute truth. It doesn't make a difference so much if I understand, if my mind comprehends, if I have questions, this is truth, we can't budge from the truth, the Rebbe said so, it's absolute, and we're running with this. That's the nature of the what? Right. It's a godly infusion from above. The left, even in Chabad, because it exists on all levels, is much more the containers. And therefore, the Rebbe said, these are true. But it doesn't seem, the reality doesn't seem to be so. We're looking at a world that is, that doesn't seem like Mashiach is here, and, and the Rebbe is not here, passed away, and there's darkness. So we gotta, we gotta work with what makes more sense, rational sense and logic and Kalim vessels. The lights and the right side is in synchronized with God's plan faster than the left. But the point is not the right. The point is the right fused with the left and ultimately the purification from the left. When right now we are seeing a cross effort and, an, and a powerful fusion of the right and the left within Lubavitch itself, and the, those that are more skeptical are learning and hopefully will be enthused and excited in a way that's actually more connected to their reality than the faith, the powerful faith on the right, but more related to understanding and, and, and seeing the process and appreciating the ideas from below, not from above, just as a matter of convictions from above. That creates the transformation on the left. So everything is actually working in perfect harmony. Just some ideas, again. I'm hope I'm right. I think I'm right. Uh, I think the core principles are right. Whether everything I said is is correct, I, I if I wouldn't believe so, I wouldn't say it. Um, something to think about, and I think when we realize that we're not we're not expecting Armageddon, we're not expecting these terrible things. These people talk about Mashiach, even in the Jewish world, like such. Like destruction and another. You think COVID was bad? Oh, just wait till the next thing is gonna come and boop, 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 and boom. Stop with the threat. Stop with the destruction. That's not the point. If if Mashiach is here to come to save the few righteous and take them to a different world, you're right. But that's not Mashiach. Look at the world and find its intrinsic goodness and holiness. 
Discover the truth that's hiding. Discover the desire that's there in all of humanity today to recognize and to accept truth and godliness. Create the bridges of dialogue between the two camps and realize that they're not so different. And Be'ezrat Hashem, we're going to have a Mashiach that is going to speak to 8 billion people, not to half of humanity. And the other ones will go to hell, God forbid. To all of existence. And everybody's willing to hear him. And everybody's willing to unify with him. And everybody's waiting for the truth to speak. Yamanu Smoil Tefreitzi, on the right and on the left, will burst forward the Giyuma. So let's keep it up. Let's keep the study going. Let's keep the learning going. And let's not dismiss people with opposite opinions, but let's find within everybody, so to speak, the kernel of truth that's embedded in all of existence. Fan those flames, flare it up, until we'll realize that we're not so different. We all want the same thing. We want. We want God. We want Hashem. We want those who are uncomfortable with Hashem, we want the singular force to identify itself and to unify and harmonize all of reality. Not that we all be equal, we all separate and all play our distinct roles, but we all recognize, we all experience that harmony. May we get to see that now, as Lach Bomer, we're just discussing this should be enough to help push us over the final hump and already by this log, Bahomer should already see the full and complete and total Gula. Thank you.